You are listening to the Enormo Cast. If you zip over to Black Diamond's website right now, you will be confronted by cutting-edge ski gear up the wazoo. And though you might like snow in your wazoo, this is a damn climbing podcast. So guess what I found buried in there like a little cache of squirrel nuts waiting for the spring thaw? Brand new C4 Camelots. Yeah, that's right, folks. BD didn't stop with the ultralights. They went back and redesigned the old standby C4 Camelot to be 10% lighter, sport bigger, better triggers, and the 4, 5, and 6 finally have a trigger keeper, so you can rack them slim down to the closed position, but deploy them with nervous rodent speed when the going gets wide. The climber engineers at BD can't stop, won't stop making the best better for us crack freaks. Check out the new C4s, and if you must, some rad ski gear at blackdiamondequipment.com, or better yet, your favorite local shop. Hey, what's up? It's your toes talking here. That's a nice alpine climb you got there. I'd hate to see something happen to it. Like when we get cold. Life gets pretty miserable, eh, hotshot? Instead of a ballerina up there, you feel like a walrus. Not a svelte walrus who swims all day, but one of them big ones who lets seagulls crap on them. And if we ever do warm up again, well, get ready to howl like a banshee. And not a cool banshee that scares everybody, but one of them banshees the other banshees make fun of for sounding stupid. So get with it, buddy, and get some sick mountain boosts from Sportiva. That's right, Italian-made. So high-tech they're like, what? Oh, we gotta go? All right, just listen to your toes and check out all of Sportiva's ice climbing and big mountain boots at Sportiva.com or your local shop. And tell them your toes sent ya. Listen, uh, uh, where are you playing in town? You, are you playing here? We're doing the, uh, the Normo Dome, whatever it is. It's terrific. Oh, it's yeah, big place that side of town. Very That's a big nice. place. You sold it. really should. Look, you better get up there before you panic. Those pens are loose. You're very good. I have really enjoyed climbing with you. We'll make it. I don't think so. But we shall continue with style. Today's show is brought to you by Black Diamond Equipment, with support from Maxim Ropes. And the fine folks at La Sportiva. And don't forget our charter sponsor, Bonfire Coffee. Go to bonfirecoffee.com and enter Enorma at checkout for a discount on great coffee and to support the Enorma cast. And now back to the show. Hello and welcome to the Enormacast. This is your host, Chris Kalous. It is February 12th, 2019, about 10 o'clock in the morning, and this is episode 169 of the Enormacast, a conversation with Quinn Brett. If you remember Quinn from the news of the last year and a half, she took a very, very big fall on El Capitan doing a nose in a day with Josie McKee, and likely, likely, should have died, but didn't, survived due to the work of Josie and the crack SAR team there in Yosemite. She was off the wall and in the hospital just a few hours after the fall, but severe spinal cord injury has left her paralyzed from the waist down. And the conversation is interesting in a lot of ways. For one thing, Quinn and I were supposed to talk just a couple weeks before she went on that trip to El Cap, and she was going to stop by Carbondale on her way from Estes Park, and I can't remember what happened, but, you know, some sort of change in plans meant that we couldn't do it, and it was one of those things where we had so many mutual friends and parallels in our lives, we were sure that, yeah, at some point we'll get it done, you, you come back through, back to Colorado, we'll, we'll get it done then, and then, of course, her circumstances changed tremendously just a couple weeks later. So here we are with a whole new conversation, a whole new conversation about a whole new life that she's that she's dealing with. The the interview isn't so much a rah 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 about overcoming challenges. This woman is dealing. She's in the middle of it and it has its ups and downs. In the middle of the interview there's actually a point where we have to take a break 
and come back, which I put a little interlude in there, which you'll understand. And, um, you know, that second half after we come back is, is kind of a little bit of a, of, of a brighter part of the, of the conversation as, you know, a good cry will do as Quinn admits in the beginning, she has a tendency towards that, but it's also interesting and coincidental because today is Hayden Kennedy's birthday. And I waited a couple days to put this one out for that reason. Quinn was friends with Hayden, and this incident happened just three days or four days after Hayden died. And Quinn was affected by that, and it actually plays into the incident pretty heavily. And I know a lot of you as fans of the Enormacast um, were really touched by his passing as well. And we're celebrating today, actually, though, later today. So it's time to remember Hayden in all the positive ways after um, the time has passed. And another thing that I've decided to package up in this show, for reasons that I have, that I think reveal themselves, is that Chris Parker, former guest and friend of mine, musician climber, also a friend of Hayden Kennedy's, actually, and a new dad himself, just released a studio version of a song called Mothers and Fathers. And he did a show a couple years ago where he played a bunch of music for us. And he kind of premiered that song on that show, at least for public consumption. And I think of the four songs that he played on that show, that one resonated the most with me as well as a bunch of listeners who got in touch with trying to get a copy of it. I suggested they just cut it off of that episode and make a bootleg, which Chris totally endorsed. Hopefully they did that. Anyway, Chris has got a full version of it that he just released about a week ago, and I've tacked it on to the end of the show. Hopefully you stick around to see what I put on the end of the shows, but that's on there uh, for your listening pleasure. And I just think it has so much to say about climbing, even though it's not a climbing song particularly, but just about this idea of the distance that climbing and adventure and going to the mountains can put between you and your family, whether it's your parents or your kids, if you're getting to be my age. And uh, just thinking about Hayden, thinking about Quinn and and what it's done to her, some of her relationships, having this accident happen to her. Um, I just think it really punched me in the gut last week when I heard it. So check it out. See if you guys enjoy it. If you do, don't just listen to it once, but uh, check it out on Spotify, Christopher Parker, what he goes by on Spotify or on iTunes. Throw him 99 cents for it. Buy a copy. I know it's weird in this day and age to do that, but you know it helps make it worth doing these projects when folks respond that way. Okay, last thing to say is that I'm really, really pleased that after the year and a half went by, we actually got this interview done because... There was no reason that Quinn and I shouldn't have met a long time ago. She was in Estes not long after I was there. She was climbing Yosemite not long after I was there, climbing a lot. And we have so many mutual friends. It's just strange that it took this long to meet. And after sitting in the room with her for a while and doing the interview, I just left hoping that Quinn and I are going to have a relationship after this one. And we're going to keep in touch. And I'm going to learn a lot from her, I think, in the coming years if we can do that. So. Just one of these one of these interviews that made the Enormacast really worthwhile for me to uh, to get to know somebody so quickly in such an intimate moment, and I hope you guys also feel like virtually meeting Quinn has been worth your while, and it puts you in a mood. What kind of mood? Well, hopefully the mood where all the stupid shit falls away and the important stuff has meaning. Yeah, so we almost did this um, a little over a year ago <laughs> where you were going to come through town and uh, meet up with Simon, our mutual friend that, whose house we're sitting in, <laughs> and do an normal cast and then head out to the valley for the season. So it must have been like August or September, right, of was, last year? Yeah, it was October. Yeah. yeah, like I was thinking of coming around the 1st of October. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, it was that soon. Yeah. Um, and then uh, 
you know, I can't remember, we just missed each other, or you left earlier, or later, or something like that. Yeah, I think I left just a few days later, and I still was uncertain if I was going or not, just because... Right. And things I were happening. Then I wasn't here or something like that. So, yeah. um, which turned out to be, you know, I don't know what the word would be for it because the following week, both your life changed completely, but you know, Carbondale and, and the Royal Brook <laughs> Valley took a hit Yep. because Hayden Kennedy died, I believe on the 7th. And then that made your accident what around the 10th, 11th, the 11th. Yep. Okay. Cause it was the same week. Yep. Um, so yeah, you know, I remember dealing with, with Hayden and then, you know, through that like static and haze came that information, you know, because obviously the whole climbing world knew about it, um, pretty quickly after it happened, um, after you fell on, on the nose. Yeah. Um, so I don't know where we want to start. <laughs> if you would like to talk a little bit about the accident, I know that when you do these interviews, it's necessary in a way, um, even though I think a lot of my listeners probably know where we're coming from, but certainly not all of them. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you took a, a humongous should have died type of fall on El Cap doing yeah. a, a one day ascent with Josie McKee. Yeah. Like 130 feet, 130 feet slipped off the boot, hit the Texas flake and I'm still here. Right. But with half of a body. Half. I mean, it's obviously all still attached, but there's like, yeah, a little dime-sized scar on my spinal cord and I can't move my legs. That's amazing. Or pee or any of those things. Right. <laughs> so it's, it, it, what were, what was sort of the litany of injuries beyond that? Pretty much. I think the scapula took the brunt. So I looks like a sledgehammer hit my right scapula. Mm-hmm. Um, and I broke four ribs. I had some internal bleeding. I had a, a big bruise and hit my front of my head. I had a helmet on, but it fl- right. Josie said it flung off upon the initial impact. So I had a big laceration on the back of my head. Luckily, nothing big there. Um, and then I hit the front of my head and had like, luckily I, I didn't break my pelvis or my legs or anything. I had two giant bruises on my thighs. Um, and I no longer have a sense of smell cause I hit my head. Really? Yeah. Taste though? Taste is like mild. It's there. Like weed, cigarette smoke and diesel all smell the same. There's something different in the air. Really? <laughs> yeah. Which is unfortunate cause I love the smell of weed, but I can't smell it anymore. Uh-huh. Yeah. But at least I have like, uh, it's kind of mildly there. So okay. like sweet and salty are there, okay. but peanut butter doesn't taste as delicious as it used to. Right. <laughs> That's a shame. I know. That's like kind of a like ice cream still really sweet though <laughs> yeah yeah i was like t- week three and all of a sudden like some people like, had been buying me lotions and i was like does this smell josie she's like yeah it smells like lavender i was like nope don't have that oh wow <laughs> is it certain smells or all of them pretty certain smells yeah. like i've been trying to do hippy dippy was like i have my essential oils and every night i've been trying to sniff them to see. like this one's peppermint this one's eat. and i can get a few of them like i can get lavender and peppermint but it doesn't smell the same right it's just right. a different something in the air yeah. and now i'm making new associations so when you fell i mean you from my understanding and, and i heard you talk about this last year in boston you basically like decked you yeah. just decked into behind um behind what uh texas flake yeah behind texas flake but yeah like as far as you can tell some rope stretch or just i think no i think as far as i know josie said the rope never even came right, taut right so you sort of pinballed into there and dead yeah and which again you know it's like that 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 description of your injuries a it should have died in it. Right. And then, yeah, the fact that you didn't like break all that much stuff. Really. Right. It's pretty wild. It's and pretty I wild. remember actually bar- like trying to bargain with Libby in the hospital room. Like, how come I didn't like land more on my right leg? Like I would, of course you'd way rather be this or that. Like right. I would way rather be an amputee than paralyzed and sure. just missing one leg. But then sure. I could have had a femoral bleed and not be here at all. Right. Right. <laughs> so, um, and then, you know, you worked for years, on on SAR, mm-hmm. so then your SAR people yeah. showed up. Yeah, like Brandon Latham used to work in Rocky Mountain National Park, right? And did my job there, right? And yeah, here's people who are, and I was staying at Bud Miller's house, mm-hmm. who was one of the climbing rangers in Yos- Yosar, yeah. And they all started to show up. Yeah, right. Luckily, and, pretty quickly. Right. And what did <laughs> Josie? What was her? 
series of events in terms of how she got up to you and, and um, well, she, what she could I flew past, I fell past her. Okay, so got down So she, there. yeah, she just right. luckily was able, like, I guess not dream scenario, but she was able to get the whole rope to her advantage. So she was able to just wrap down to me and have the whole rope to work with mm -hmm. um, and our cell phones. So we, she was able to call dispatch and I guess it, they didn't get the message as, as deeply as she wanted. So then she called right to Yosar and was like, we need a fucking rescue. I need a fucking helicopter. Right. <laughs> so she, yeah, she's just calling friends yeah. directly yep. to get the, get the motion yep. going. Yep. How long was it about... It was not that long, I think, from when I fell. Like, we started climbing at, like, 10. I fell around noon, and I was off into the meadow. At, I was back into the meadow at, like, 3. Oh, wow. But they definitely had concerns because the winds, I guess, were really kicking up um, pretty strong. And it was, I think, maybe borderline of them doing the helicopter operations because of that. Right. So what's the option then is that they, they repel the litter down? Yeah, like right. lower from the top, I think. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, yeah, that would probably been into the night. Yep. Certainly. Whereas uh, in terms of your stabilization in the on the scene, was there, you know, you were you bleeding heavily anywhere or were you? I think my head was bleeding pretty good. Like right. I have my, my sun hoodie. Was I was wearing a tank top, but I think shows you wrap my head in my sun hoodie, um, and that shows a lot of blood. But also, it's a head lack, right. so it just bleeds a lot more than anything. Um, and I don't know that I was bleeding much anywhere else. Like I just have like a few scabs on my legs, but mm -hmm. that was about it, and scab like road rash on my back. Mm -hmm. But that was about all. I mean, I was. I remember being awake during that time and talking to Josie or asking questions to Brandon, but I don't now looking back, I don't have a memory. You don't have a memory. No, yeah. like sure. I don't remember the dialogue or anything. You wipe, yeah. It's like the trauma gets wiped away. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. Like it's I don't like remember hitting. <laughs> right. And I try to remember that a lot. Like, right. <laughs> but it's not there. No. Do you think you ever did or it's just never was there? I don't know. Maybe I blacked out. I mean, just a lot of time out of inertia. Right. <laughs> like, a lot of free falling. Like maybe yeah. I blacked out. I think there's some sort of i don't know we have a, like this, a coping mechanism yeah it's a of. coping mechanism to not record these horrible traumatic events yeah yeah as they're they're gone <laughs> um maybe good you know yeah what about pain during that time yeah uh i remember being in a pretty good amount of pain and i remember actually like there's a picture of me with the Tom Evans sort of me like grabbing onto the litter as I'm flying out. Like I remember feeling pretty like that was sketch. Like I've flown in a helicopter many times and hung off a rope many times, but I was sketched out. Like, I don't know if it's cause I was queasy and sick and all of it, all of the pain, but I don't remember having pain in the moment, but I okay. just remember that moment feeling like dizzy and like, Oh gosh, <laughs> right. I don't want to be here. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it, that's the other thing is you can't, a lot of times you can't recreate, luckily, the pain. Yeah. I mean, that's not a memory. Yeah. A lot of sense memory anyway. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Okay, so <clears throat> you get down off the mountain. You're, you're, you're flown to where? Fresno? Modesto. Oh, Modesto. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, you know, what, at what point, you know, do things settle in? Do you, do you, did, you, did you know have a sense of how how badly you were hurt when you were up there or? i think so i think josie said i did say something like i can't feel my legs up right. there and i the first the time in the icu there's just like vague memories of people staring over me like timmy right. was there and kelly was there mm -hmm. and people that happened to be in california staring over me and having some lucid moments i guess with libby and saying like who am i going to be mm -hmm. now that i can't feel my legs um but those yeah those are all distant memories i think like where i actually like my new timeline started was maybe around two and a half weeks or three weeks okay. of actually being like kind of with it. But even the first, I would say like the first six or eight months, like I had a lot going on. Mm -hmm. Like I was definitely cognizant, but I think my short term memory definitely was probably affected and just the trauma of it and dealing with a brand new life in many capacities. Right. Yeah. Like I think I was with it with people and trying really hard, but I think a lot of those are just like faded away wherever they go in the ether. Right. <laughs> yeah. So l let me go back before we move on from there. Mm -hmm. Can I ask you about uh, a little bit about leading up to the climb? Yeah. Um, because again, we, there's like this small intertwining of our lives in a, in a very distant way at that leading up to that mm -hmm. because of Hayden's death. And you were friends with Hayden, um, knew him quite well. And, uh, that I remember thinking about that. I remember thinking about 
a couple things in terms of your fall because of that. I knew that you knew each other because Hayden spent plenty of time there. And then I thought, too, because he took a big fall yeah. um, uh, doing the nose in a day and got really lucky and knew it. Yeah. You know, the way he explained it to me that, you know, if the rope hadn't pulled a little bit of stretch um, and lightened him hitting a ledge, he probably... He was rocked by that. You yeah. Know? <laughs> and so he had sort of a similar thing. And the way he described the fall, you know, was in a lot of ways the way I heard you describe. Like, you can't... You don't know what happened. You can't... He didn't know... He just shouldn't have fallen there. It was pretty in hand. It was a weird move at the end of some five, nine, if I recall. Mm -hmm. And he slipped and yeah. he was, and he was going and yeah. he was like thinking in the moment that that was it. <laughs> so, that, you know, so all I remember that, that week I was thinking about a lot of those things. So what, what were you dealing with on the, on the lead up to this climb that, that may have affected you? Well, just the end of a climbing ranger season, number one, which was exhausting in its own. Um, and from, from Rocky Mountain National yeah, Park. Okay. And yeah. Just some uncertainties with the person I was dating at the time, mm -hmm. um, feeling kind of a lot of heartache there of what was going on. Um, having dated for a long time and not knowing where we were headed. And then, yeah, remembering hearing about Sun Hayden on Sunday night and Monday, Tuesday, just kind of like toiling around the valley with Josie, both just like kind of like lost puppy dogs. Like, mm -hmm. what are we doing? Um, and then Tuesday night, same, same. We were like, well, we said we'd climb tomorrow. And Wednesday morning woke up and both of us hadn't slept well. We were supposed to get up early. And she came in and was like, can we sleep longer? I didn't sleep at all. And I said, me neither. Started driving up to the valley and talked a lot about Hayden. Um, I was texting Max at the time, even that morning, like, Josie and I might go climbing this morning. We're not really sure. Like, we're both really struggling with Hayden. We don't know what to do. Um, and I think just out of, yeah, like that obligation or we don't, you know, like we do often find solace in the mountains. So I think that's where we're like, well, let's go do what we know what we're supposed to do or what we know how to do. Mm -hmm. I guess we'll just go climbing, even though maybe we should have just sat by the river and cried it out. <laughs> right. Or gone cragging or yeah. like something a little yeah. less and or bouldering even or totally, something. Right. Just something. But I, I, I understand that feeling of, <laughs> I mean, we're all so obsessed and we're all, it, you know, with climbing, it's just the automatic go-to when you're happy, when you're sad, you know, you want to clear your mind, your mind's already clear. Like, it just seems like the thing, the cure-all thing that you just go ahead and go do. Yeah. It's going to distract us perfectly. Right. <laughs> you were saying how your, your memories of the, ins of the fall are, are not really clear anymore, or maybe they were never that clear. Right. Um, but as you guys were climbing, you know, describe how you were feeling in terms of moving along and, and these different emotions that you were having. I was feeling good that, I mean, the first four pitches are always, or the first pitch at least is always scary and sketchy, but I remember feeling good. And we ran into this party on top of Dolt and they offered me some water and we were just chatting with them. And I've, I've since connected with one of them. Um, and we've messaged on Facebook and it's been kind of cool to fill up a little bit more of the story of the details of the last 20 minutes leading up to my accident. Um, and he was just like, you were psyched. We were asking if you were going for the speed record. And I said, no, um, but this is definitely the fastest I've ever gone so far. Like this is a personal best. Mm -hmm. He said, yeah, you were psyched and watched you climb away and you looked smooth and fast and super happy. And Josie came up and was like, Jesus, she's hard to keep up with. And then I w yeah, I was feeling good. And then I got to the top of Texas Flake and had to flick the rope around for Josie. And I just remember my demeanor just kind of was like, ugh. Like, I just want to be done. I wish I could stop here. Mm -hmm. Just kind of exhausted and kind of got just like a grumpiness started seeping in all of a sudden. And going across the bolt ladder, looking back and feeling sketched, like, I'm only on one bolt right now. Like, I've done this a million times. Like, why am I all of a sudden sketched right now? Um, yeah. And then Josie having to re go back down and get the rope because it was caught beneath Texas Flake, like pretty much where I fell. It kind of got snaggled. Mm -hmm. And, uh. I remember her yelling up to me, I have to, can't put you on belay yet because, uh, I have to go untangle the rope. And I didn't yell out to her, but I just said in my head, well, it doesn't fucking matter anyway. I don't have any gear in. And then, then I had thoughts of Hayden and then I slipped like all kind of in a series of moments just like mm -hmm. that. But just like all that negativity was right there. And then Hayden came in probably warning me or whatever. And right. Yeah. <laughs> like 
it's just kind of wild how things can change in five seconds. Like if I had slowed down for five seconds or if I had just hung on that one piece of gear and said, you know what, Josie, I'm going to wait here right. until that rope is untangled and then I'll continue. Holy crap. Right. Decision making. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I've like had this weird, I mean, it's, I think it's an elementary and really basic realization, but it never really occurred to me before about how all accidents, whether they're climbing, driving your car, you know, st- tripping on stabbing yourself, yeah. is, is these, these lapses of attention. Yeah. And it, I, I've heard you describe this before. Um, and that's, you know, just such a classic, you got distracted by, you know, this, these thoughts that were pulling you inward and you needed to be outward. Yeah. But, you know, but the second guessing of all of it is, is probably something, is, is it something that brings you down, haunts you? Or it haunts abuse? me for sure. Like just oh. like how, yeah, like I, as much as I'm trying to be an advocate for spinal cord research and injury, I'm just like, man, I should be an advocate for time travel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe, you know, I know spinal cord stuff seems a little bit uh unachievable or difficult to achieve but probably better to put your energies there <laughs> right, than actual going back to the future. yeah <laughs> that that would be yeah just no <laughs> yeah yell, yell yell through the ether back yeah. at yourself yeah right so i mean but what what do you what do you do to cope with that cry yeah i mean i was a crier always right no cry talk to people um, I think that writing for me has been really cathartic and, um, I, yeah, sometimes I, I'm definitely concerned that I'm sharing too much or I'm it's speaking too much too loudly, but I also think with spinal cord injury, I'm, you're supposed to be talking louder or I think a lot of our society, sometimes we hide the things that actually, we're afraid to be vulnerable and we're afraid to actually speak our truth. And I think I've gone to the other end of the spectrum now and I'm like, I feel like I'm oversharing a lot, uh-huh. but Oh, it's cathartic in some way. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you are vulnerable. You know, you, you, you had to restart your life. Yeah. You know, so if you think about, uh, if you think about, let's say, you know, the metaphor of being an infant, you start your, you restart your life vulnerable. Yeah. And so you are in sort of an infancy with this. So. I'm in my adolescent stage now. Okay, I, I mean, I'm, not dri- at this I'm driving again. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. You know, the metaphor is sort <laughs> yeah, of there. Totally. And so you know, I understand it's, and, and, you know, we are as climbers, like our self-sufficiency and our toughness. And especially with the kind of climbing that you were into, you know, big roots, Alpine rock, big walls, like the grit is all, you know, these things. So, and again, we've, we've been circling around this Hayden thing that's with you. And, and I think a lot of his, last moments were affected by this idea that I'm supposed to be tougher mm-hmm. than your average person. I'm supposed to be, I'm not supposed to, we're not supposed to fuck up. Yeah. And you're not supposed to screw up. Yeah. And yeah. our society is kind of, I mean, I think we all live in a society where that's the way it is. Like you're not supposed to ask for help. If you ask for help, you're a burden or, but like we all are accountable and needing of one another. Yeah. I think that it's even more so probably in climbing. Yeah. You know, and, and not just the climbing, but like the dirtbag lifestyle, the whole thing, you're like self-sufficient. Everything's I, yeah, here I got that this. I need. I'm yeah. groovy. Yeah. 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 I can do it all on my own. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But that's, you know, been, been turned on its head. <laughs> Certainly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess we can maybe move on uh, from the accident, unless there's anything else you wanted to, yeah, to talk about, about that. that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I kind of was trying to think of a way to do this without talking about it because I realized that you have, you know, recounted it so many times now in terms of, of media yeah. as well. But, yeah. um, but yeah, but I think I, I had some questions too. For sure. And, and, and some people probably haven't heard those. So, right. Yeah. yeah. So, so let's talk about your life now <laughs> and, and, and the changes that you, that you, uh, have been going through that you went through and, and how you, how you've sort of had to, again, restart your life in this whole new way. How important is your connection to climbing still um, in that community? Or is it, is it, is it something you're moving on from? I think it's ebbing, it ebbs and flows. Um, I definitely don't have a 
my passion for it. I mean, I always loved climbing and maybe doing laps on the nose because I liked moving. Mm -hmm. And I was really, I really enjoyed the efficiency of it or just, yeah, covering ground. Mm -hmm. um, and I think what I miss most is like having that iron taste in your mouth from running uphill as opposed to climbing. Um, but it is a community that I've been involved with for the last, I mean, I moved to Estes 15 years ago and I've been developing that community. So I feel like it's hard to just say goodbye to that community, but it's definitely shifting and changing. And it's not something I don't long to go rock climbing. I, I'll go belay people and, and it's fun. And my body still knows the movement and I can still coach you on like, Hey, I think you should try this because my body just intuitively knows what to do, but I don't need to be hanging out doing that necessarily. Uh -huh. <laughs> well, I, I was thinking about you, um, the months afterwards and, you know, thinking about you trying to figure out what it is that your body can still do mm -hmm. and what is going to replace the feelings you maybe got from climbing. And then I did start thinking about the community, but I thought I was wondering if you were feeling a loss in terms of like our whole social scene, the loves of our life, a lot of time, all these things are, are wrapped up in the climbing community and, you know, I'm sure a lot of your friends, well, maybe I'm not sure. Some of your friends have stuck around. Some of them probably are slowly or, or, or maybe even abruptly moving on. Yeah. Um, some have come closer and yeah, I feel like, especially in this community, I think, uh, like Simon and I've talked a lot of this about this and other friends who've talked about it, like climbing is inherently selfish. Like mm -hmm. it is doing what we want to do when we want to do it. And I am still very capable of playing outside, but I'm at a slower pace. Like all my friends with children, they'll play with me now because <laughs> I'm at the same pace as them. Right. But what I, what makes me sad is that the, there are friends that I had hoped our friendship would con continue and that they would be willing to scheme adventures. Um, and some of them aren't, mm -hmm. but some of them are too. Like I can't be totally negative because there are people that have come, come in closer and who've embraced like trying hard with me in right. this new way. Right. Yeah, and then I thought, too, about how you, people leave or move on from the climbing community for all sorts of reasons. Yeah. And, you know, we, I almost have a joke, or we have these jokes about people who do that as if they, as if they have, like, died and gone away, you know, because it can be, like, so myopic within climbing that, mm. you know, do I have time? Or even if you intend to stay in touch with people, I mean, lives move apart for all sorts of reasons. So I, I remember hoping that you, if you're finding finding a replacement, and are you finding a replacement hmm. in terms of the community? Uh, I haven't gotten there yet. I think mm -hmm. it's a little too fresh. Right. Like I'm still trying to figure out. Yeah, should I stay in Estes Park and stare at these mountains that I love so much? Um, yeah, where should I be? Um, but I've been skiing a lot and that has been bringing a little bit of joy back, mm -hmm. both Nordic skiing for the cardiovascular and downhill skiing for the getting a little bit of an adrenaline rush, which has been nice. Mm -hmm. And I was never much, I mean, I grew up in Minnesota, but I was never a winter sport girl. Now I'm into winter sports. <laughs> well, you slide. Yeah. Yeah. It's handy. Yeah. It's a handy mode of travel probably. Yeah, yeah exactly. It is. <laughs> But yeah, and I'm, I'm hoping I'll find a community that I can embrace a little more fully or I'd like to keep a lot of, I'd like, yeah, I'd like it to be some cross culturing there. Like uh -huh. I'd like to keep a lot of my community and a lot of these friends that I've developed over the last 15 years. And I do appreciate the ones that are willing to go give it a rip out, out there right? and bike up far over road with a tagline tied between us or whatever it might be. Yeah. So, I mean, being, being an athlete, you know, as much as climbers that we do that, what we do can be called <laughs> athletes. We were just joking about that the other night, like any real person in a professional sport, like a trainer would look at most climbers and be like, I don't know, <laughs> you know this is your best. You yeah. guys are the best. Uh, but, um, you know, active athlete, use your body sort of person. Do you envision finding a way like an adaptive sport or anything else that you could throw yourself into the way you throw yourself into climbing? Um, have you felt any I felt draw? It, I felt it a little bit with Nordic skiing. And then I definitely have that question of like, why do I need, I mean, I know that's ingrained in our personalities to be 
to want to play outside and to be athletes and like mm -hmm. why is that still important to me and is that important okay i don't know i struggle with that a lot like i know that our brains are the ones that are going to persist and i used to always joke with the climbing rangers that i'll stop being a climbing ranger when my legs fall off because our bodies are eventually going to age and knees are going to hurt and we're not going to be hiking around and wandering around so why do i still have this inherent need to play outside and try hard and i don't know so I'm trying to decide, like, how driven do I need to be in these athletic endeavors? Is that important? Right. <laughs> is it, How old are you? 37. 37. Okay. So this is quite a, a late in life to be reborn yeah. kind of a thing. Yeah. But but also you have some wisdom and knowledge. I got uh, a lot of time help. to sit and think You do have days. a lot of time to sit and think. <laughs> yeah. So what are you doing with that? What are you doing with mental pursuits? Anything, anything in particular? Um, well, I've been doing... Still a lot of yoga practice and meditating, but um, I've been reading a lot. Like, I don't read a lot of pleasure books anymore. I've been reading a lot of research on spinal cord injuries mm -hmm. and recovery and research and advocacy in that regard, um, which is kind of ironic. Before my accident, I was debating on going back to school and dragging my feet about returning to school. So I think about school again, but I'm a school person. Like, I've gone back for two different master's degrees and, mm -hmm. like, why are you going to do that either? Like, is it just that need to achieve, I guess? I'm trying to right. figure that out. Like, what what is it that I actually want to do? In I guess that's what we're talking about. Yeah. Is a need to achieve. Yeah. When I asked you a question about the physical achievement. Yeah. Um, you know, it just occurred to me, or occurred to me coming here, but I just remembered to talk about is that uh, a coincidence of being in Boston and seeing you speak mm -hmm. is that the following day I went across the river and talk to Hugh Her yeah. um, on the podcast. Yeah. Someone who, you know, you said you'd much rather have been an amputee. <laughs> and that's probably the case in terms of, of, of allowing more mo mobility. But he, you know, talking to him uh, on the podcast, he, he had, had went down a very similar path in terms of dejection and how am I going to deal with this and, and how, how do I move on from this and and uh, and then he's gone on to, you know, in terms of achievement. Oh, he's like, been crushing it. Yeah, he, he's yeah. one of the preeminent, you know, prosthetic, uh, prosthesis manufacturers, yeah. inventors. Yeah, and he's trying to actually raise a whole bunch of money for spinal cord stuff. Like, he's got a new $100 million project that he's trying to raise research for, for like a... Um, not necessarily a prosthetic spinal cord, but something similar. Something to, to, to create yeah. movement. Yeah, which and, is pretty wild. Right. And have you at all interacted with Hugh uh, only, as a uh, Only once briefly, and this is before my accident, he came and spoke at the AAC. Right. But I have another climbing friend who suffered a spinal cord injury in Alaska in this June, and he lives in Boston, and he met with Hugh, um, this guy Emmett, and... Um, they have had a little bit of a dialogue, which I think is great. Like just okay. bringing more, I don't know, connecting people. I think that's really a lot of what this world is about, just connecting others. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, if it's in that guy's hands, you know, there, there has to be some hope that he's capable of, if anybody is, yeah. of creating something. Something, yeah. That, that adds mobility. Because um, he's a firm, he's got this whole firm philosophy of like, well, I'm just going to be better. You know, I'm going to be better than I was with these dumb, you know, biological legs that that fall apart over time. And right. Yeah. You know. <laughs> right. So it's 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 a, he's got a pretty wild philosophy behind it. And, yeah. uh, and I think he has a very strict way of looking at the world in terms of that. Yeah. And I've learned a lot with people who have had injuries similar to mine that um, a lot of them mention something further down the line of their healing and recovery that they wouldn't they wouldn't take it back that they've they wouldn't they don't regret their decision making whereas i'm still in my regret phase um but i'd love do to you find that, that believable <laughs> and are you able to internalize that to i think it's out there i think okay, for some you, i think it is that's true good. i mean I mean, no, not not believe that they believe it but believe that you will someday look at it and go this is this is this has been better yeah, I'm it's not hard. there yet. No. Yeah, it'd be hard. Yeah. <laughs> it'd be hard to, to, to see that, but maybe a glimmer of it, I'd hope. Yeah, I hope. I mean... I mean, there's a lot. I mean, I feel like I was, I don't know, I was trying to live a simple little life. Like, I just wanted my house in the mountains, and I wanted a partner, and I wanted to keep playing outside and motivating people to do the same and take care of themselves. And it's really difficult to now feel, like, so frail. Like, my bone density's 
I've had 30% loss of my bone density in the lower half in the last year. Like as a person who was healthy, like that doesn't feel healthy. Like if I fall out of my chair, I'm going to break a bone. Right. That's scary. And I don't find myself attractive by any means. So how is anybody else going to like all of these things that I was hoping for or working for? Yeah. Mm -hmm. To have those seem pretty unattainable at this point in time. That's, I don't know really disheartening <laughs> do you do do you do talk to people about this do you do therapy i do therapy yep is that helpful uh in some ways yes sometimes i just feel like i'm just talking like i am to you now and it's not getting anywhere but i also recognize that this is a process and uh somebody made this lovely and ah my psychologist the other day made the analogy that like you know grief is supposed to be these seven steps like it's supposed to be boom 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 and he was like no it's more like santa claus carrying the sack on the back on his back of all of these things and sometimes regret will fall out and that's the one that you're dealing with and then you pick it back up and put it in and then next thing you know um bargaining is the next one that falls out and you put it back in and just keeps evolving and ebb and flowing and there's no there's no timeline for anyone like you're right. dealing with your own grieving process with Hayden and I'm dealing with mine with the loss of me the loss of the life that I thought I had yeah just and the loss of a relationship like I'm dealing with like and job like a lot of different grieving processes all at the same time just like bleh, muddled in there mm-hmm. and patience is I think the thing we're supposed to have the most of right yuck <laughs> do you um, what kind of family situation do you have i have have brothers and sisters yeah mom and dad they live in arizona and a brother who's in boston and two little two little nephews right and how is that i mean how has this affected them and how has their their process been with it um without you know i mean they're not here so we don't want to dish on too much but in terms of the way you felt about it and and it's been difficult mm -hmm. um i think there's been moment yeah just like with all the relationships i have like there's times that you can put that energy forth. Like I take a lot of energy from people nowadays. I think at least right now, or at least in the first year, I took a lot of energy, especially from the people closest to me because I needed it. Um, and I think sometimes you have the space for that to give that energy and sometimes you don't. And, um, I think my parents definitely struggled are struggling more so now wanting me to just return to being Quinn, Mm -hmm. but I'm a different person. Mm. I think that same with maybe some friendships. Like, I'm not going to be the same person. I still can be joyful and playful and fuck off a little bit, but I'm not there yet. Right. Hopefully I find that goofy person again, but she'll probably be a little on edge sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not sometimes. Here, let's take a second. Um, climbing free rider and i mean he was going he was aware of his consequences like either he's going to the top or he's not at all right and me at the base of the nose that day i wasn't i'm like yes we're all aware as climbers of our of the consequences but are we really like i wasn't at the base thinking of the same thing that alex was like i'm either going to live or die today right but i mean and i guess we could come to that with all things in life like every time you get in a car or whatever which could be i don't know kind of too downer Debbie downer. Well, you, you couldn't function. Right. If you always, and if you always took that extra five seconds to respond to everything that everyone said, like then shit would never get done. Right. Yeah. You couldn't function (laughs) just like living with, or like calculating all the risks. I mean, there's probably, I mean, I'm certain there's people that the the shut-ins, that's that's their calculation. Right. If I just stay in here, I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah. So we can't live a life like that either. And same, like I still want to go bike. It's inherent in me to want to go biking and skiing and play outside. I've totally gone biking with Libby and Zion and tipped over on my hand cycle and broke my helmet and landed on my back. And 
Yeah. I, <laughs> was it? Is that like all that happened? Free, you broke your helmet? Yeah, I broke my helmet and scar. Yeah, and I started, and I had a broken leg at the time. Like, holy shit, yeah. Quinn Brett, what? Why the fuck are you doing these things? Did you know you had a broken leg? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and it was. I was healing the broken leg, and it was just a benign moment of biking. Like we'd done all this like terrain, 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 and they'd been spot. Like they'd get off their bikes and spot me, and then with the hand cycle, you're just kind of wider than the trail, and I had a piece of sage, and that four inches extra of sage right. just tipped me over, but tipped me over into a wash. And so it just tipped me right on my back. And yeah, like, why am I continuing to do these things if they're, are going to keep causing my body damage, but my brain needs to have, sure. Yeah. We need to have joy in some way. Is there a part of you that's like, look, uh, I can cause more damage. Like what's good. How's this going to get worse? Yeah. Yeah. It could get like, if I break my neck, it could get done. Well, yeah, worse. obviously. Yeah. yeah. But but again, there's those calculations. Yeah, is it worth of, it? Is it worth it just to stay inside? Yeah. And for me, it's not. I don't want right. to sit inside. Right. I don't right. want to be sitting, but I don't want to sit inside at least. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so is it is it been tricky to uh, overcome like what I think most of us would consider like embarrassing moments <laughs> in terms of your your functioning through life? to the bathroom, washing, all those sorts of things. It's, um, I think I'm in that phase. I'm in a good place now, maybe where I'm not so embarrassed as I initially was. Mm -hmm. And just talking to normal people, like most women who give birth, pee themselves or poop themselves and then still have bladder issues years after. Right. I'm like, well, shit, how come we don't talk about this stuff? Like it's the vanity thing. Like plus old people. Yeah. We're all going to get there. Yeah. We're all going to. Yeah. (laughs) I think we all, and we all have our shit that, and some of us are afraid to speak of it. Right. And, um, I definitely struggled in that vanity sake of just like, well, I'm peeing in front of people or, um, yeah, like if I get a urinary tract infection, I, my symptoms are, well, I have one second to get to the bathroom or 40 seconds to get to the bathroom before I pee myself. Mm-hmm. And that's not always, it's not often, right. but it exists out there. And the fact that I don't have a sense of smell, like, well, if I were to shit myself, I hope I have some friends around that <laughs> tell me, Hey Quinn, you kind of smell like shit today. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. But thankfully that hasn't happened. Right. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. I'm just trying to relate to, to again, like, um, yeah, just the, the, the self-sufficiency thing that we find so important and having to kind of let that go is probably yeah, like getting tricky. into Simon's house here. Like, yeah, it's definitely not. There? I know it's, I was walking, when I walked down, I was like, this is not <laughs> even remotely wheelchair friendly whatsoever. There's like turns and twists. <laughs> it's like a freaking skate park out there. <laughs> but so like, that's something for me, like even when I get into a car and having a friend put my, my wheelchair into the car, like to me, that's a huge burden and a huge step. Like, I'm so sorry. Oh my God. I'm so thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And now I've gotten over that. Like, really? That's just like somebody like you dropped your phone and I picked it up for you. Right. Right. Like just putting some perspective on like these people want to hang out with me and that's five seconds of their life doing these stairs. Yeah. It sucks. And Simon's like, dude, it's like, we're doing a couple pitches, but it's really 15 seconds of the life. And then we get to hang out like everybody else. Yeah. I don't know. And I'm, I'm coming around to that. Right. Where I don't feel I I'm feeling not ashamed to ask for help in certain ways less so than I, yeah, the first year of it, I was definitely embarrassed. I mean, I still am embarrassed all the time. Like I don't like to go to Sprouts and Boulder where I used to buy groceries all the time because I'm afraid I'm going to run into somebody I know and they're going to see me and that I fucked up and they're going to see me in a wheelchair. Isn't that wild? Yeah. But everybody knows already, but I'm embarrassed to be me and I have a lot of anxiety over that. So yeah, it's kind of wild. That, that, that's certainly going to go away. I hope so. I ah, come on. I'm in my own way with that. Okay. Yeah. Like that's going to go away. Yeah. You're going to just be who you are. Yeah. And yeah. that, yeah, like this, so I went skiing last weekend with the high fives foundation, mm-hmm. which is a fantastic foundation, um, around mountain athletes that support mountain athletes with spinal cord injuries. And there's a woman there, Elena Nichols, who's a, a downhill Paralympic skier. And she was kind of coaching us this weekend and she's been in she's been in a chair since she was 18 mm-hmm. and she's now 36 or something. So she's half of her life. She's been in a wheelchair and hanging out with her was really good for me. And that I felt like I was in a wheelchair, but looking at her, I didn't see, I just saw this beautiful woman just killing it. 
mm-hmm. but she was still sitting in a wheelchair, but I didn't see her at all. Like her personal personality, her persona, like the way, just the air about her was just her. No, I know what you mean. Yeah. And you, you, you honestly, like as you go through life and, and see people with so-called disabilities, whether it's wheelchairs or other things, you definitely know who's owned it, who's owning it and who's either new to it mm-hmm. or still running away from it, you know, no pun intended, mm-hmm. you know, you can tell instantly yep. that the folks that just are like, that's a part of their body. Yeah. It's part of who they are now. Yeah. And just her, yeah, just her moving around. Like getting I hadn't out. even thought of it till you mentioned it. Yeah. Just how uh, like obvious it is when you see the one versus the other. Yeah. I mean, like mine is a very obvious disability, but a lot of people have a lot of mental disabilities too, that you can't see that are sneaky. And yeah. I'm like, at least my shit's in front of you. Right. Right. Yeah. Totally. (laughs) I can't hide it. I can't be an alcohol alcoholic. And we've been dating for seven years or something. Right. (laughs) Right. Do you, um, when you go and talk and have you done money, I saw you, you know, talk to Ashley Mm -hmm. for the Sharp End podcast. Um, You mentioned being invited to some other festivals for, you know, (laughs) for 50 bucks here or whatever, 20 bucks there. Um, Are you, are you getting into this, this type of thing with, with talking about your accident to people? Yeah, but I'd like it to move beyond that. I think like, so before I've I've owned a company. I guess that's my question actually is what is, what would your message be or what is, have you been uh, thinking about in terms of a... Well, before my accident, I've owned this company, Dovetail Mountain, for a really long time. And we would um, marry marry um, yoga and climbing. And my master's degree is in psychology. So I also wanted to take it beyond that and take it into personal relationships. Like uh, on Sunday of before we leave for retreat. Like, okay, you've learned all this stuff on your weekend. Now how can you take this to your personal relationships? How can you... When you respond to people or versus reacting or fear or any of those things. And so I think that that is inherently still in my brain of wanting to talk about that. And the educator in me still wants to teach people in that way. Um, and so if it's, I guess, through speaking about my accident and then marrying those ideas of obligation and achievement and where do you stand with grief and all of those things. And I think there's a platform for that. And it's kind of weird to be talking about myself I guess, but if it's still getting to that ultimate goal of helping others, um, like in dovetail, I really wanted to like step into corporations and just infect the one person to actually give a shit about our public lands or being kind to one another in in a way rather than just consuming. Um, and so right. If I'm just infecting one person with a change or motivation to change, then that's huge. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Do you feel like you, 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 have, um, a ways to go before you really have like a solid message uh, or I think it's evolving. Yeah. It's evolving. And I think that's what maybe what people are, why people are asking me to speak now, mm-hmm. um, because they can catch me in different moments and different processes of this whole thing and how it's gone, gone by. Yeah. It's interesting. Do you ever feel reluctant about the, like being an inspiration? Do you ever feel like self-conscious about that? Yeah. Like Libby and I gave a talk in Portland and we actually put the definition of inspiration up on the screen. And I mean, it's somebody or something that motivates you to make change, not just like a compliment. Right. Quinn, you're so inspirational. Right. Uh Uh-huh. Neat. You have black shoes on, but what are you going to do about it? How is How is it actually affecting you? And right. what, yeah, how are you making change personally? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, it's got to feel, it, it's sort of like, uh, I, I, I always wonder if, um, you know, this inspirational thing is, is, uh, can be this sort of maybe have this like dark side of questioning, like, well, why should anyone be inspired? You know, like when right. you're in your down moments, like I, sh- no one should be inspired by me. I'm a loser. I can't <laughs> fucking deal with this shit, you know? Or, or I'm just trying to right. like, when I'm on a trail in Rocky Mountain National Park, yes, I'm in my wheelchair and I'm pushing up a trail. And yes, some of these people hiking on the trail, this is probably the furthest they've ever hiked. Right. But for me, this is like mundane thing. Right. And yeah, I'm in a wheelchair, but I'm not inspirational. I'm just out here doing what you're doing. Right. No, we're not, we're just trying to enjoy nature and 
be healthy. Yeah. Like quit noticing me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be noticed. I'm shorter. I don't want to be noticed right now. Yeah. If you don't mind, I'm sweating right. and like, like how do you say you, that to obese yeah. people when right. they're hiking on the trail? Like it's so inspirational <laughs> that you're deciding to lose weight. <laughs> no, we don't do that. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. So, so many things to, to deal with. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's yeah. Pretty wild. So, I mean, I, I, I have found reading what you've writ, written, you know, um, I don't want to, it's not, inspirational is not the word I go to, but it's fun to read. It's emotional to read. It, it makes me feel up and down and, and uh, so it's powerful stuff. It's hanging out with you. I can see why people are going to s- want to seek you out to send a message to a bunch, a bunch of people that, that want to listen because, you know, however self-conscious you are about who you become versus who you think you were at one point, I see a lot of the same person just sitting here that I, I was aware of beforehand, you know, the same person I wanted to talk to before, you know, when you were supposed to come through here, I wasn't, I wanted to talk to you then just as much as I want to talk to you now. So, you know, so I guess I'm trying to pay you this compliment in that, in that it's like, it's all coming through. You know, you're sitting here on the ground. If I walked in this room, I would, other than your, 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 your wheelchair sitting there, I would have no idea, no idea. You know, if we sat here talking and then I left before you ever got up, I'd just be like, ah, she was sweet. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, I can feel why people want you in particular to give a message that maybe wouldn't come through in another person in your circumstances. Do you feel like you have a a capability there? Yeah. And I think that's what we goes back to us talking about what climbing has given me. Yeah. Like that able to access those shitty moments and push through Mm -hmm. and like, yeah, I'm incredibly thankful for that, that ability to try hard. And I, now I'm trying hard. (laughs) You're fairly independent right now yeah i mean you're in your vehicle on your way to to san diego yeah alone yeah not with a traveling partner or anything nope um you know and so i think that that's also pretty awesome <laughs> and cool i mean a year you're not a, you're just slightly over a year out 14 months right 15 months yeah and i'm doing my first happening. road trip yeah is this the first time <laughs> uh i've done one of uh, the year anniversary exactly we came here to simon's house and right. then some girlfriends and i went out to escalante and around zion mm-hmm. but i had partners in crime then right but yeah this is my first solo road trip solo road trip yeah. estes to here here to zion yep and then vegas i'll visit Libby, vegas and then Joshua Tree, if I can get in, <laughs> right? And I'm, yeah. And then well, I think the gates are wide open. Yeah, it's exactly. Just a fucking I can at least drive there. Where, yeah, yeah. Whereas and, Rocky, you can't even drive in. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then San Diego, and then yeah, Ventura. To do some home. yoga. Yeah. Uh, to to start working on this idea of of what people can do with spinal injuries in yoga. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. And I'm not, definitely, and I'm not the first person to do this. There's this amazing mm-hmm. guy, Matthew Sanford, and he lives in Minneapolis where I grew up. But he has been a spinal cord injury. He, he was 13 when it happened, but he's like a leading guru of mm-hmm. yoga, a yogi, not just for spinal cord injury, for all sorts of people. He's been crushing it. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to be making a video uh, uh, for this yoga thing, but hopefully stealing some of his stuff or collaborating with him a little bit. So what's, so give me a little purview of 2019 then since we're in the new year. See, somebody was asking me this the other day and I said, this is my mulligan year. Okay. And um, it's the year of optimism. Okay. Uh, But somebody was making fun of me saying that I'm already pretty optimist. And I was like, well, I have a long ways to go, I think. Um, But yeah, maybe I'll try dating. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd like to do some big adventures. Like I'm scheming. Ooh, if people are listening to this podcast and know how to weld, contact me. I'm trying to build tools. Like I want to do the first flat iron. Okay. And there's like a little, I think there's contraptions that can be made or I have a Nordic ski set up and I've been, I want to do some backcountry skiing, like some friends, Eric Murdoch from the access fund. We went skiing in hidden Valley up in Rocky, but I was on a leash the whole way because this Nordic sea does 
ski has no flexibility or right. you just point the skis downhill and I'm effed if I keep going without a break. But so he just skied behind me like I was his seven-year-old. Um, so you have like some designs yeah, in your head? Yeah, I have all these designs in my head. I mean, you know, that's how Hugh started. Yeah. Like just making the shit in his garage. Yeah. And there's lots of like just wheelchair shit in general. Like it's all from 1974, man. Right. Like I know there's not a lot of money in it, but there's a lot of toys that could be made and help us out. And I'm scheming a lot of those. And there's already people out there who are have been welding their own shit but right yeah i'm scheming stupid things like doing the first flat iron or route mount rainier in june is on the docket at the moment um skiing up it and down it hopefully which will be a giant enormous endeavor who with who um i'm gonna need like i've decided i think i'll need a team of 12 or 15 okay um and yeah i've asked i've asked some friends and some people are, are on there but it's still kind of far out all right but i also need the equipment to make sure that i'm can do i want to ski and i want to do i want to like do it. I don't want to just be like backpacked up. Right. Like I want to work for it. So. All right. So you're looking for a welder <laughs> yeah. somewhere on the front range <laughs> or Estes yeah. kind of zone. Uh, and you're looking for people to climb, climb and ski Mount Rainier. Yeah. All right. That's a good place for that kind of advertisement. Yeah. Great. So I'm serious. <laughs> you just locked some people into that. Sick. I can almost mm -hmm. guarantee you'll hear from some folks. Cool. So uh, hit me up. And then I'll pass a, pass a, pass you along to Quinn, um, and uh, we'll go from there. Cool. So, well, cool. Thanks so much for for doing this. Thank you, man. And um, you know that the circumstances changed <laughs> from what we had uh, probably envisioned. You know, some long rah 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 <laughs> climbing podcast about <laughs> climbing stuff fast and how rad you and 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 all your girlfriends are. We got something different, but hopefully I've inspired people. Remember, handstands are still groovy. You can get upside down. Oh, that's right. That's your thing. I've <laughs> right. Yeah, the handstands. Yeah. That was your your whole whole Instagram. Yeah. Handstands. So let's get back to that. <laughs> I've been trying to do. I can I can kind of do a headstand. I had my roommate the other day put my knees on my triceps, and I can totally like I can get there. It's kind of cool. It's just nice to get upside down. <laughs> yeah. So if you all if y'all are listening, you better do one right now. <laughs> as we hear like tables and chairs knocking all over because people are <laughs> flailing you're driving <laughs> yeah right. right get upside down <laughs> put it on cruise control yeah <laughs> well awesome Quinn thank you so much <laughs> yeah thank you <laughs> alright folks we ended on an up there didn't we what an incredible person. If you also want to get in touch with Quinn or just find out how things are going, I know we ripped on blogs a couple episodes ago. Tongue in cheek. That was all tongue in cheek. Anyway, she's got a blog still kicking, and it's the old school address quinnbrett.blogspot.com. Some heavy stuff over there, some fun stuff, some smiles, some tears. But yeah, good, good reading. And also, you can get in touch with Quinn over there, and she's got a bunch of information about how to get involved, get more information, donate, whatever you want to do to spinal injury research, which is something that Quinn has obviously dived into from both ends of research and experience. So yeah, go check that out, quinnbrett.blogspot.com. And now stick around for Chris's tune, Mothers and Fathers, and of course, after this episode, please be safe out there. Pay attention and check your knot. Well, today I put half of the country between me and my next of and I thought about how much they'd worry And if they'd ever see me again And I realized while I was still driving That we've all left our roots in our land But no matter how far I keep going I'm still
Sons and daughters. 